The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! I participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. The thing about the Home and Auto Bundle from Progressive is that by now you've heard a lot of ads about the Home and Auto Bundle from Progressive. We don't even need the words the Home and Auto Bundle anymore to tell you that you could save big with a ring-tailed lemur from Progressive or that every hot peach cobbler comes with round-the-clock service and protection. And that's the thing about the goat with magic powers. You've heard a lot of ads about the sushi in Vancouver. See how much you could save with the Home and Auto Bundle. <clears throat> with the Shaman in the Jungle from Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. Smartcast. You're listening to a Hindustan Times production brought to you by HD Smartcast. Hi, this is Manjula Narayan, National Books Editor, Hindustan Times, and this is the Books and Authors podcast. It's a weekly podcast where I speak to authors who've got a new book out. Hi, so today I have with me uh, Neha Sinha, who's written Wild and Willful, Tales of 15 Iconic Indian Species. Hi, Neha. Hi, Manjula. Thanks for having me. Neha, this book is wonderful. Let me say, you know, first of all, should I just read the flap so that the listeners know what it's about? Yeah. Thank you so much. Yes. Wild animals exist beyond our control. They are harmless, only occasionally, occasionally dangerous. They live with us or in spite of us. Those who know them understand that wild animals require acceptance for what they are, not enslavement for what we want them to be. In this book, we meet 15 iconic Indian species that require conservation and heart. The author explores what these creatures need and how they exert agency and decision-making. With an equal emphasis on human and animal, science and skilled prose, Wild and Willful reveals the magic of the wild in our daily lives. It'll take you from fear to wonder. Let's have a simple thing. How did you come to this, to decide on writing this book? Uh, I think it was written over a year, Manjula, but I really have been thinking about this my whole life. You know, it just started with my garden, actually. I had a small Indian mongoose that used to come to my garden and it was a very, you know, uh, amazing animal because it would disappear every time, you know, the adults were around and it was only there when I was there. And I would tell my mother that there's an animal in the garden and she could never see it because it always disappeared. And I just realized that they live these very secretive but very uh, amazing lives. Uh, you know these kind of animals that are wild mm-hmm. and uh, their lives are, are very fierce but also quite tender because you know I, I've seen you know the the birds uh, having chicks in the garden and how they take care of them you know how they fed them and I was always interested to understand how we can live with these animals and you know uh, in the work that I do as, as a wildlife conservationist I come across really the complexities, uh, the nuts and bolts of, you know, how how we can live with animals. And, you know, I'm trying to tell the animal story in this book. And, you know, I also know that's a futile exercise because we don't really know, you know, what the elephant is thinking or what the tiger is going through. But the best that I can do is kind of present what their needs are, you know, and how they live in as much detail as I can. And the, the idea is that, you know, can we learn something, you know, in terms of, uh, the fact that animals are really quite wise, you know, I've walked into 
rhinos and tigers and uh, elephants in the forests and you know i'm fine mm-hmm. i'm here right they they don't attack mm-hmm. you they just because they're stronger or bigger you know or snakes are venomous they don't they're not looking to attack us they're not looking to do anything other than live their lives and i wanted to kind of uh, you know capture that in all the messy complexities it does entail so you know there are mm-hmm. as you said there are happy stories like butterflies in our urban jungles and there are also sad stories mm-hmm. like you know the elephants they're dying you know mm-hmm. every month you know uh, by the railway lines we've made the highways we've made and i think yes. the reality is messy and complicated and i just want to be able to tell that story without you know glossing mm-hmm. uh, it over without trying to oversimplify and i'm not saying everything is happy i'm saying that it's a bit like life mm-hmm. you know there's happy stuff mm. there's bad stuff but there's also you know if we understand their needs then we can probably plan better for them okay about the stories you know i mean when i was reading them some of them are really sad like the elephant one is really sad and um because that kind of reflects how what's happening to elephants i guess so talk a bit about that yeah. as is the leopard one you know leopards yeah Uh, you've mentioned how in uh, San- Sanjay Gandhi uh, uh, National Park in Bombay there are lots of uh, leopards and and often there are sightings in the building colonies you know next to the park but the problem is that those colonies have come up next to the park in their territory right so naturally there's conflict yeah the issue is that you know we want to exert control over everything so we want to exert control over women we want to exert control over you know how people should behave in a society and also over wild animals so you know the sanjay gandhi national park of course is is you know a, a forest area and leopards you know eat dogs a lot and you know as long as we have garbage and we have dogs there are going to be leopards coming yeah. towards you know uh, towards people where where dogs live and you know actually over there people have actually mm. worked out ways to live along with the leopard by you know just trying to avoid the animal if they see the animal they uh, they let it pass but in many other parts of india you know uh, we've forgotten the old ways of how we used to live with animals so for example there's a leopard in delhi mm. right now there's a leopard in najafgarh mm. and you know the, mm. every time there's an animal where we think it should not be whether it's a elephant whether it's a snake whether it's a leopard we just say okay let's catch it you know mm. let's dart it let's put it in a zoo and you know that is what the delhi leopard situation also is that's what i talk about in the book that you know there's a leopard yes. it hasn't done anything right it's in a forest area there was a leopard in yamuna biodiversity park which is actually a park made to you know rewild delhi so if you have a park that made to rewild delhi and you have a leopard coming in then that's a good thing and it was eating the wild animals yeah. there right it was not doing anything yeah. but then we are like no we we must be macho we must do something we must catch it mm. we must put it in a zoo or we must like just take it somewhere so this is a very mm. kind of illiterate way to go about things because if you're trying to catch a wild animal you can't even catch a bandicoot rat like it's going to bite mm. you it's not going to mm. be amenable to be caught it's like if a stranger yeah. comes to me and suddenly tries to catch me i would be you know extremely uh, not okay with that right and so the issue yeah. with leopards what's happening is the issue with leopards is like actually political more than anything these are all political decisions that are mm. made you know people will say i don't want this leopard and it becomes like a chess board mm. you know it's like a pawn on a chess board you know it just gets picked up mm. and thrown somewhere so the delhi leopard was picked up and thrown in saharanpur 
also in a non-protected mm. area. So it went from one non So what happened to the airport? We don't know what happened. It must have died. I have no idea. Nobody has any monitoring. Once they've let it out, you know, uh, I think mm. it's better for everyone if it dies, I think, because then nobody has to do anything more. But, uh, you know, it is mm. a big and a wild animal, right? It is not okay to just throw them around like this because they also do have homing instincts. Mm. They also do try to come mm. back to where they were caught from, which often leads to much mm. more conflict. And, you know, the thing about elephants, yes. you know, it's so sad that, you know, we are just building over all the areas where elephants live and where they use these areas to migrate you know we have Dihin Patka in mm. where they want to dig for coal uh, you know and elephants will fall inside pits if you have mining pits and you know one yeah. one elephant gets caught the entire herd stands there tries to save it which is why you have it's so sad yes it's heartbreaking because you have so many of them dying together basically so the way to kill you know a mother elephant is by doing something to the calf so that's what uh, is there in this book, you know, in Sarai, mm. you know, a calf could not cross yes. the railway line and the mother is trying to help the calf and she gets mm. run over as well. And sometimes you'll have five elephants mm. together because they all try to catch each other's trunks and they try to save each other and they all die in the process. So we do need better, more sensitive planning. We need to slow down the train. It's, it's just terrible, you know. Absolutely. It's like a massacre almost. And it's an intelligent animal. So you have these stories of, you know, the calf not allowing anyone to touch the mother if the mother has died and the calf is still alive. It doesn't allow anyone to come yes. her, you know. They're very sentient yes. and very deeply bonded animals. You know, they have these very deep family bonds. So we need mm. to plan better for them. We can't just have trains rushing through elephant habitat or just, you know, making large highways with no crossings for elephants. We, we can't do this. We are pretending like they're not mm. there, basically. And that is how the conflict yeah. starts. It's actually quite sad. Mm. No, but what I can't, you know, while I'm reading this book, what I can't understand is that, uh, you know, like... In, you know, historically, I mean, we have this impression that Indians are uh, very, um, you know, bothered about the uh, about nature and the environment and, you know, stuff like that. We have this idea of ourselves as being like this as a people. Yeah. But clearly that's not true if this is what's happening. Right. You know, I think the local people, I would still say, you know, people who live locally near a wild animal, I think they still do show a lot of tolerance. But the problem is, you know, when you're planning these big projects which have basically no understanding or which make no effort to understand the ecosystem. Right. So if you are going to make these huge mines in an mm. elephant forest, like in the Hing Patkai, they want to do, for example, or you want to make, uh, you know, railway lines through places where elephants mm. are there, you know, a Sevo Rangpo railway line, for example, uh, in the in the mountains, you need to uh, kind of um, make sure they can have some space to either cross over or you need to have some radar or some early warning uh, systems. So, you know, we are the country that makes dams on the Himalayas mm. and waits for people to die. So I think elephants, you know, are very yes. on the on the on the priority list. And I have met people, you know, for so many years who allow elephants to eat their crops, for example, because there is some amount of, you know, mm. it's fine. It's an animal it needs to eat. But it's the big projects that really worry me because, you know, we are just going through mm. this kind of paradigm of how India should be in which everything is concrete large projects right 
so people are dying animals are dying mountains mm. are crumbling and it seems to be okay you know and that is really where the problem is yes i mean i don't see any solution to it but uh i don't know how we'll, we will change our mindset and you know uh, maybe books like yours might help change some people's views but i'm not sure you know talk about that yeah i think it starts with resistance you know if there are people from dehradun saying you know do not cut thano forest which is basically part of an elephant reserve or you know don't just mm-hmm. you know uh, uh, expand the airport without thinking of an alternative location because you know people in dehradun mm-hmm. have been agitating uh, over you know having the sal forest next to the uh, airport uh, keeping it intact it's part of an elephant reserve and uttarakhand has actually denotified mm. its elephant reserve saying it's not needed elephant reserves are not needed now you may denotify the reserve but where does the elephant go and you know the people are saying people who live there say that we want our city to be in a certain way we also have the right to think about what kind of city we want so like for example people in gurgaon do not want a road through a ravli biodiversity park and they should also have a uh, have a view a valid view of what kind of city or country they want to live in so you know the government does need to heed these voices and you know, these voices get delegitimized all the time by you know they're called anti nationals they're called anti government etc but you know a lot of these projects don't have any logic so you know uh, as i'm saying again and again we want to make coal mines in elephant forests not just in uh, not just in assam but also in states like odisha for example if you're mm. making these huge mines mm. the elephants are going to fall in they are going to die and you're going to basically have blood on your hands so so the point is can we plan our projects in a manner that they avoid wildlife habitat especially the habitat that's prioritized for these animals the dehradun mm-hmm. uh, airport is next to an elephant reserve so they're just like we'll denotify this reserve and we're going to cut all the trees and expand the airport and the people are saying stop this because we want this we we come to uttarakhand we live here because we like the forest it can't just be like any other place it, it is different from the rest of india it has the himalayas it has the mountains mm-hmm. so i think you know I, i do have a lot of hope mm-hmm. enlightened citizens uh, you know i think an enlightened citizen is a very mm-hmm. important asset for for the country and uh, you know uh, i think mm. you know the government would listen more to people but even if the government is not listening people are standing up more and more even last day you must have seen you know the protest against the environment impact assessment act you know uh, it was just common people they're not conscientious mm. you know standing up agitating saying you know don't change all the laws during the lockdown you know give us time to think about mm. you know and uh, uh, so many protests from young people old people all kinds of people right saying if we trash mm. everything mm. then it's basically the locals who get you know caught with the clean up bill right uh, because you trash everything there's so much pollution mm. and it's it's public health that suffers you know uh, environmentalism actually should be for everybody it's not a domain just for scientists or conservationists mm. you know the other uh, chapter that really made me feel sad was the the, the one of the gangetic uh, uh, dolphin yeah it was such a beautiful uh, it kind of opened my eyes to what the dolphin goes through so let's talk about uh, uh, the dolphin yeah thank you, you. Know? Uh, yeah it's a 
favorite of mine that animal you know it's it's actually evolved along with the river ganga and because the river ganga has such heavy you know uh, sedimented water this dolphin is actually a blind dolphin mm. it, it didn't require eyesight mm. that much because it couldn't see so it kind of is uh, blind effectively and it uses echolocation to uh, navigate mm. its way through the through the river and you know this is very much our dolphin because mm. it's kind of uh, found only in the indian subcontinent mm. and just like the tiger most of the tigers of the world are in india so india is uh, very important for tiger conservation mm. the uh, the majority mm. of the gangetic dolphic population is also in india so you know everything that india does mm. is going to be uh, you know uh, so important for this animal the future of the animal is basically in our hands and you know because it can't see and it's using you know echolocation it's also very sensitive to other kinds of sounds and you know in water sounds are much louder mm. so even if a bubble is like popping yes. in the water it's really loud and you know we have this uh, national waterways mm. act in which you know they've made highways uh, yes. on the river and you know in many of it was a initially mm. a project for 111 rivers but they couldn't do it because there wasn't actually enough mm. water in all the rivers but they have you know made a waterways mm. uh, in um, the ganga in the river ganga and in all the studies the new studies uh, that scientists are doing have found that the dolphins are very disturbed by you know the sounds the ships are making uh, because mm. the ships are going up and down the river mm. you know so what do we do is the river mm. only for ships or is it also for dolphins and fish is it just for commerce do we live mm. just in an economy or do we also live in a society so if we feel that we live in a society mm. then the dolphin too is important especially because it as i said is found in india you know it's an indian animal it's, mm. it's such a helpless mm. kind of animal like i can i can hardly think of a mammal that's more helpless it just kind of eats fish it doesn't do anything it doesn't harm people in any way you know and because mm. we can't see an animal we mm. think it's not there so that's like a sort of uh, you know mm. it's, it's a kind of blindness that we have because you know this is a, this is an animal that's quite mm. shy so you only see it when it jumps out of the water yes right and it's not going to jump out of the water mm. all the time in front of you so you think it's not there Mm. you think it doesn't exist and therefore mm. it's not important and you know uh, now mm. that they've made the waterways it is going to be important to uh, look at ways of changing the casing of the ships to contain the sound mm. it is going to be important to uh, not go in certain stretches of the water which are important for dolphins especially during breeding because you know it's it's a water animal so it lives uh, in certain areas it prefers those areas especially when they have young uh, calves uh they like the confluences for example mm. of rivers they need shallow pools where they where they rest mm. because they keep hunting or trapping mm. and then they need to rest so especially in certain times of the year we need mm. to work out that you know at least let's not disturb them or go to those uh, passages in the water and let's try to contain the sound mm. you know we talk about rivers as having flow of water but i think rivers should also be seen as yes. maintaining a uh, minimum noise as well because you know noise underwater noise is a real mm. issue today and animals that live in the water especially animals like dolphins mm. that uh, rely on hearing you know for them loud sounds are just deafening mm. you know it's 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 like a cacophony that they have to live mm-hmm. maybe i'm a very hopeless sort of person <laughs> but i feel, i feel like you know uh, this are 
our urge to uh, to be a great consumer society is mm-hmm. at um, you know it, it's in a collision course with our natural heritage you know yeah no i agree with you in fact uh, as as i was saying you know we 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 keep pretending that we only live in an economy but we do live in a society as well and you know it's important you know for us uh, that we are aspirational people but it's also important that we need to have open spaces mm. we need to have places of respite and i just think that you know if there were no animals yes. in the world i just think we would be so lonely like if it was just us like imagine a life mm. with no dogs with with, yeah. with no parakeets you know in trees oh God, you know with no dolphins in the water mm. i think it would just be a lonely existence and it's so funny you know we have these robot pets now you have these robot puppies that people buy and i just think that you know if somebody <laughs> likes a dog they should get a real dog because you cannot substitute the real animal with a robot you know and mm. uh, we've become very mechanical in the way that we live our life but i think maybe the lockdown has made some of us realize that how lonely we are without these external things such as animals and nature and there's been a global movement to kind of move back towards nature to observe birds you know from the balcony or you know at least mm. give thanks to the fact that you know there still are these things in our life you know it's true that you know a lot of places we live in are so degraded degraded but even then a yeah. few animals are still there so you know you do have yes, leopards in delhi you do have you know dolphins in kolkata and in guwahati mm. you know and uh, mm. it's amazing i think you know for me you know when i see a wild animal i just feel like a piece of magic has touched my life because it's like an animal that has its own schedule you know they're quite busy you know because we tend to think animals don't do anything but i've never seen an animal do nothing either it's hunting or it's resting it's doing something all the time you know doesn't have time to waste and so i just yeah. kind of feel quite lucky and honestly if it was just a world of people i would find it quite boring <laughs> yeah okay the amur falcon story was very nice it kind of like made one feel that oh there's hope you know and people can change yeah. so i found that a very uh, uplifting uh, piece so talk about that yeah actually i've been involved in that amur falcon project and you know um It, you know the nagas are hunters and it's like a it's a tradition for them and not just a tradition it's also a way to have fun you know we can't look away yeah. from the fact that people also do things for fun and you know i think you know the urban gaze tends to demonize uh, you know uh, others who are doing things that we don't do so like we don't hunt yeah. wild birds for fun but we do many other things that are available for us in the cities so you know i'd, I'd first mm. gone there in 2013 and um, you know when i first went there it's there in the book they were like what are you going to give us to change our business you know what are you going to give us yes. to and i was just like what can i give you because you know i cannot you're breaking the law so i can't give you a bribe or something so it took a long time to figure out what we could do that could seem respectful and appropriate but also you know it could help us talk to each other so we started these eco clubs and you know basically mm. you know uh, they didn't know that bird conservation is a thing that there are people who work on mm. conservation they didn't know the amur falcon mm. is migratory i think you know the fact that uh, they realized that it comes from you know another country it comes from russia you know and it goes mm. to africa from nagaland they didn't know that and they were very moved by it 
and you know i think more than anything they wanted to change the narrative for their own selves they were like you know you guys you are from india first of all that's how they talk um, yeah. there are issues right there's there are yeah. issues in in which uh, the central government has treated the northeast and nagaland has had a history of very proud yeah. people who don't want to be told what to do so you know they yes. were like you've come from india and you think we are savages you think we kill each other you think we you know uh, eat everything that yeah. moves because that is how the rest yeah. of us look at them right uh, yeah. the thing about the way nagas are described is that they eat everything that moves they just eat anything yeah. right and it's like a caste yeah. system almost like impurity but they were like yeah. uh, i we want you to know us as honorable people and you know honor is a very big thing in the northeast you know honor is mm. everything and uh, you know once yeah. they decided you know so it was a result of a lot of you know outreach and a lot of um, telling them about the bird really i mean i don't think we can ever mm. tell somebody what to do but you can give them a few yes. tools and they can decide for themselves what they want to do and it's only if mm. they decide themselves that it can ever be sustainable right so That's true. it's a long yeah. process because working with people comes with its own challenges uh but mm. you know once they decided there was kind of no looking back so we're trying to work on some eco tourism over there and you know selling some products so that they can get some income because some of the parts yeah. were being sold for money in in small okay. ways uh, it would go to guwahati or local markets and it was a source mm. of income before christmas because the birds used to come in october and november so we do need to oh. think of ways to kind of uh, that's how that's why we've been working on eco tourism and uh, selling mm. some of their products so that they can get you know some income but you know that's what yes. the conservation you know really it's it's a social thing right it's it's mm. basically mm. about uh, i guess it's a value system in a way right so we mm. want it to be yes. science based but it cannot just be science based it has to be value based so if you say mm. you know, it's bad to hunt a tiger for example that's a value mm. you know and if i'm yes. saying don't hunt a wild falcon that's coming from russia that's also a value so i recognize that you know i recognize mm-hmm. that my value may not coincide with another person's value so mm-hmm. my uh, you know the aim was just to get them to make the decision what they should be doing and you know that mm-hmm. amazing because once they decided there hasn't been any turning back you know okay from them That was Neha Sinha, author of Wild and Willful: Tales of Fifteen Iconic Indian Species. This was a Hindustan Times production, brought to you by HD Smartcast. HD Smartcast. The legends are true. The overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes. The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Wicknuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last.